Uh, hey, Manheim BIC, uh, that's Pastor Dustin, and I am with my friend. Introduce yourself, friend. Hi, my name is Timmy, Timothy Luke Harnish. Timothy Luke Harnish, and how old are you, Timmy? I'm 19. 19, so Timmy's been around for a while, and I selected him as my number one candidate <laughs> to help me this morning. We're just doing a celebration tech video. We want to do a couple highlights. So um, we're just going to run through a couple things that you need to know about to celebrate with us. Um, Timmy, uh, what are you doing for school this year? What's what's happening uh, next? I'm planning homeschool, and okay. I'm all right. And your teacher's name is who? Mom. Mom. All right. So um, praying for the whole home over there at the Harnish family, and mom as the teacher coming up. So Timmy, be easy on her, okay? <laughs> yeah, be easy on her. All right, go ahead, Timmy. What do we got? So some people enjoy donuts. That was a Sunday that Bryce was able to hand out donuts and meet a lot of people for the first time. Uh, that was Sunday, May 31st. Timmy, how many donuts did we hand out that Sunday morning? So we did around 600 um, Byler's donuts that morning. And were you here? Do you remember? Uh, yes. Yeah, do you remember what kind of donut you got? I got apple. You got the apple one? Yeah. I love the apple fritter. It was so good. All right, next. Apple yeah. fritter was a great one that morning. Then we did milkshakes the following Wednesday on June 3rd. Um, were you around? Did you have a milkshake? Yes, I did. Okay, and your favorite flavor is? Vanilla. I'm also vanilla when it comes to milkshakes. like them the best. Go ahead. Tell us what we did. We made around 3,000 milkshakes. And the really cool thing, Timmy, is we raised money for the Mannheim um, Food Pantry. Okay. And we raised $4,891 that evening, which is wow. really cool. So uh, it's going to some, some great causes here this fall. So uh, we'll go to the next thing. Manhunt Project just happened last week. Uh, Timmy and I were just talking. He did not participate, but has helped with Tim's in the past. Tim's also just happened. Uh, the eighth graders went up to CRC in Juniana County and helped last week. There's about 30 of them. But Timmy, take that off and show us how many people helped here at the Manhunt Project. We had 57. We had a mixture of adults, youth, it was high school group, mm -hmm. and some, some kids helped. Uh, so 57, lots of people were active last week. They did outside projects last week, kind of a modified Mannheim project. Okay. So, um, all right, next. Timmy, what do you think that picture is? What, cleaning. Yeah. Cleaning. What, cleaning for what? What do we need to clean? Toilet. Toilet. All right. <laughs> so, toilet. do you ever have to clean toilets at home? Yes. Yes. All right. Timmy knows how to clean toilets. Um, <laughs> So uh, we want to give a shout out to our custodians. They've been working overtime just to get everything ready each week to be clean. Our trustees have been doing all kinds of extra projects. Thank you. Uh, plus it's been raining, so we keep finding roof leaks. Uh, they've been helping us with that. Um, Timmy, did you know there's a new Gaga pit we just built? Uh, yes, I heard on the new, no, it was... On Sunday, we might have said Sunday, something. Sunday, yes. So you're paying attention. Yes. Yeah, you're paying attention. So new Gaga pit, and we are working on another piece of our playground right now. So that's happening around campus. Next, do you know what that is, Timmy? The, the, mm, the keyboard? So like the keyboard, we call it the soundboard. The soundboard. Keyboard's what your sister sometimes plays up front. Um, so this is the soundboard. Anyone uh, who's been helping recently has been making us sound good. Um, so just a shout out to everyone in the back uh, behind the cameras, this thing, the soundboard, um, 
behind the computers, thank you a million times over for making us sound good, um, for allowing us to live stream. Just a shout out, thank you for that. All right, next. So a letter went out recently to me. You might not have read it, that's okay. It was about our finances. Um, but we wanted to just celebrate together that we had a mortgage based off of our 210 expansion, which was like the biggest expansion every year. It gave us like our big assembly. It gave us the youth room that you're mm -hmm. in a lot. Mm -hmm. um, go ahead and, and show us how much debt we have left on that mortgage. So it is a big, big fat zero. We were able to pay it off, which is a really cool thing to celebrate, Timmy. Um, right. Now we're not done yet, but this has been an awesome thing to erase off of our books. Go ahead and show us. We've got a little more work to do. Um, back in 2010, we did a $10 million project, and more recently we did a $3 million project. What we have left is about 1.4 of a bank line of credit and 1.6 million in private loans that people have loaned us and other churches have loaned us. So um, we still have an annual goal of 800,000 um, in our capital fund, so you can give toward that so we can hit 800,000 this year and stay on target. Um, we're trying to pay everything off by the end of 2024. So, any extra pennies, Timmy? You can put it right in the capital fund, okay. and we can pay this thing off. Okay. Lastly, Village of Hope. Um, they were not able to do their summer trip. They were bummed, but they still wanted to do their fundraiser. So they had a big pig roast back in July, the 19th of July. And this was just sort of a spur-of-the-moment thing. They wanted to help the people down in Guatemala at the orphanage and the staff down there. Timmy, show us how much we raised on that day. We raised... To me, we raised $8,902 just on wow. a Sunday pig roast. And that's net gain at the end that we're going to send down to Village of Hope. So that's a wow. pretty cool thing for other people. Yes. Yeah. So thanks, Timmy. Appreciate right. you helping out. All right. Good luck with homeschool. Yeah. Blessing. Shout out to your mom. Yep. And uh, thanks for celebrating with us here at MBIC. Uh, hope you can be a part of everything that is going on here. And we're just praying and looking forward to this fall, um, hoping that we can open up and uh, continue to do ministries as we have in the past. Thanks. Right. Thanks, Timmy. All right. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Good morning, church. Uh, would you join with me as I begin with a word of prayer? Father, we come to you this morning and we are grateful for the opportunity and the ability to gather and, and worship you and, and the freedom we had to do that. Lord, uh, we ask that over the course of the next few moments that uh, you would speak to us as individuals. Uh, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just move in this room, uh, give us uh, the ears to hear uh, 
what you have will have for us here. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would take these words that have been prepared and, and use them for your glory. Uh, and may we as a church uh, go out into our communities this week and, and humbly serve you and be your hands and feet uh, that you've called us to be. I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Pastor Corby. I'm the youth pastor here at Main on BIC. If uh, if you don't know who I am, and uh, and I'm filling in this morning. Pastor Bryce is, I think they're on the way home from vacation. I, I, I know they're on vacation, and they're, it was supposed to end today, so I'm assuming they're coming back. Uh, and so you can pray for them as they're traveling and and, and coming back to, to, to work in this coming week. So, uh, so I get an opportunity to fill in and, and be here with you this morning. I do consider it a, an honor uh, to stand before you this morning and, and share what, what God has laid on my heart. Uh, as I was thinking about Philippians 2 and just what Paul has instructed us this week, I was, I was reminded of a game we, I used to play, and maybe some of you ha- have played this or are playing this still currently, uh, but it's call shotgun in the car, right? How many people have ever called shotgun in a car? I get the front seat, right? Olivia, you play that game? You got a lot of family members out there, Olivia, to, to compete against. So, so I, got, I got shotgun. I got front seat, right? It's the best seat in the car. And, and, and I think about this game. Uh, of calling shotgun, I think of it as kind of a very me, self-centered, focused game, right? It's really all about me getting the best seat in the car, all right? And so, you know, if you're in the front seat, you get to control the radio, right? You get to pick the music, your DJ. Uh, You get to control the air vents so that they're all blowing directly on your face, right? No one else gets air conditioning. you get to get the extra leg room, and you don't have to, you know, compete against your brother or sister in, in the back seat, whatever. So it's really kind of this self-centered, self-focused, me, 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 me game we play, and, and I want front seat. You know, obviously, uh, it's not really our nature to call the back seat. And so uh, as I was thinking about, you know, I also was thinking about, as a kid, we had a station wagon. How many people remember station wagons? All right, so no, never have I ever... I mean, uh, Tony Binkley, after the other, next, that last service, corrected me on this, and he said, I called this seat. I like this seat. But most of the time, I don't remember people calling the back row, rear-facing, in the station wagon with your two siblings with your knees and your chin, right? You don't call that seat, right? That's the most likely to get car sick seat, right? That's, you're seeing all the things run by your eyes, and it's like, it's just not, it's bad news. And so we don't typically play, I call back seat. Uh, in, in most homes. And so the younger kids in the room, you don't even know what that seat is. And, you know, there's no seat belts. It was just like, get in the back of the car and we're going to go. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. So, uh, so as we think about what Paul is instructing us this morning in Philippians 2, uh, I think he's really calling us to all right, lay down your own interests. Lay down uh, uh, the, the desire to, to be in the front seat and having the best, best seat in the car and be like, okay, you know what, I'm going to let someone else who maybe uh, is, uh, needs that seat to be there instead of me. Uh, in Philippians 2 that we're studying this morning, we're in this series uh, of Philippians and we're taking a chapter a, a week and last week Dustin covered chapter 1 and this week I'm covering chapter 2 and, and we do our best in a short time to, to cover what we, what we can in, in 20 minutes or so. And so I, I encourage you as, as you prepare for each week, if you haven't gotten a chance to read Philippians 2, to go ahead and read it this coming week uh, as, as you reflect on what's said this morning and then also prepare by reading Philippians 3 for next week. But in Philippians 2, Paul gives a very clear directive, some clear instructions on how to live our lives. It's, it's a call to humility. It's a call to, uh, to lay down your own interests, 
to, to put your own desires aside and, and think about others first. And I think if we're brutally honest with ourselves, this isn't our, our knee-jerk first instinct to do. We wake up in the mornings and we're like, hey, how, what am I going to do today in order to take care of myself? Uh, and, and so Paul is saying, you know what? Lay down your own interests. Lay down what you want and think about others. It's really this act of humility. It's this taking on this idea of servanthood in our lives. So we're going to jump to uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles with you this, this, with you this morning, I encourage you to turn to, to Philippians chapter 2. I'll be reading from uh, ESV version, but you can follow along with whatever, whatever version you have. But as we, before we jump into Philippians 2, I want to go back a little bit. And look at the end of chapter 1. And, and if you were here last week, or if you watched uh, uh, last week's sermon online, you, you heard Dustin's illustration at the end of the sermon. And he talked about uh, whitewater rafting and, and how as a group in a raft, you have to work together with unity and in one mind. And you're not lifting your, your paddle up in the air and whacking each other in the heads. You're, you're working together to get down the river. And so Paul takes this idea of unity and, and being of one mind and at the end of chapter 1 and continues into chapter 2. And, and, but I'm going to start at verse 27 of, of chapter 1 and read that before we go into chapter 2. It says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or, in, in, or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And so Paul is calling us to be of one mind, having unity, working for the faith of the gospel. And so it's a, it's a call to be unified. And so Paul continues this idea of, of one mind and, and uh, same-mindedness at the start of chapter 2, where he reads this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit... Any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. And so Paul says, okay, we're going to, be, we're going to live lives unified. We're going to be of the same mind, and we're going to live our lives pursuing the gospel and sharing the gospel and, and living out our faith on a day-to-day. In the next two verses, verses 3 and 4 in chapter 2, I think, are, are his clear directive. It's a call to the church. It's a call to followers to be humble. And it says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. Do nothing. That's what he says. He, he leave, Paul leaves no room for error, no wiggle room here. It's like Nothing. Whatever you do, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant. And so I think uh, this, this direction, this call to us as a church is to think differently about how we wake up in the morning, how we, how we live our lives, and it's taking on this, this, art, this act of humility. If you look up the biblical definition of humility, it would be something like this. A Christ-like Willingness to lay aside one's own honor or dignity for the sake of another. For the kids in the room, if you're doing a kids bulletin, I have a, have a line in there. It's, and I just really simply did it this, like this. Humility is thinking of others before yourself. 
It's not our, it's not our, our typical response to life. We are more likely to think of me, of me first and then maybe others later. Paul doesn't only talk about humility in this passage in Philippians, but there's other places throughout Scripture that he, he talks about humility. And one of those places is Colossians 3, verse 12, which says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Live lives of, of humility, taking on servanthood, thinking of others first. Put your own interests aside so that others may be lifted up. What I love about Philippians 2 is that Paul doesn't just drop this, this idea of humility and move on to another idea or another, another thought he has. He leans in. He, he spends time and he's like, okay, this is what I want you to do, but here are some examples. Here are some people that you can look to and be like, this is an example. And first and foremost, he said Christ. Christ is the, the perfect example of humility. And if we're going to follow anyone, if we're going to look at anyone, let's look at what Christ has done for us. Because he, in his life, ultimately was humble. In Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11, this six verses is a powerful section of, of Scripture. And if, you're, if you are one to memorize Scripture, this is one I'd encourage you to memorize. Because it's a gospel in, in six verses. It's what Jesus has done for us in coming to the earth. And it reads this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, though, who though he was in the form of man, sorry, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus, who was in the place of honor, he was with God on on the throne, and and God, and and they're looking down and recognizing that humankind needed something, a way of of, of salvation, a way to, to free them of the sin. And we're all fallen human. And, and God, God's like, hey, we need to do this. And Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to put aside my, 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 my divine place. I'm not going to grasp onto it and stay here. I'm going to lower myself. I'm going to become human. And in doing so, he experienced the pain and suffering of human, human's experience. He put on the nature of humanness. He lived his life here. He humbled himself, became a servant in order that we as sinners, this fallen man, can have a way to freedom. And we can have a way to have a relationship with Jesus. And we know that Jesus came, he lived his life on earth, and he died on the cross for our sins. And, and he, he, he was buried and rose again, and he's, he's back again and reigning as, as king. And so if you're here this morning, if you haven't ha- put your faith in Jesus, it's really as simple as Believing that Jesus died, provided that way, he humbled himself, he became a servant for you in order that you can have freedom from your sins. The passage goes on and says, Therefore God, who has highly exalted him, who is Jesus, who God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God 
the Father. So Jesus, who he humbled himself, he became a servant, he, died, he lived, he died, and he rose again, and now he reigns again. And, and all men will confess that Jesus is Lord, the gospel. Paul doesn't just pull this idea out of, out of just out of the air. It's, 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 it's what he's learned. It's what we, is written in other parts of Scripture. And, and to, to solidify a little bit about what we believe in the gospel, it's, it, I'm going to read a few other verses because these kind of re, reiterate what Paul is saying in Philippians 2, verses 5 to, 7, 5 to 11. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hebrews 1, 3 says, He is a radiance of the gl- of glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 2 Corinthians 8.9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he, is, he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus humbled himself. He became poor in order that we might become rich. Paul goes on in this passage after giving the example of Jesus as a perfect example to follow as a life of humility. And in verses 14 and 15, he says, okay, we're going to live a life of humility. We're calling you to a life of servanthood, but you need to do it without grumbling. You've got to live this life of servanthood and humility and do all things without grumbling or disputing. Verses 14 and 15. That you may be blameless and in, innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation and among whom you shine as lights to the world. So we as followers of Christ, if we, if we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and put our faith in him and we take on this Christ-like attitude of humility, we are living our lives and we become light to the dark world. The world that is searching for so much more and we as followers then are the, light, the lights that shine bright in a world that's seeking more than what they can find here on earth. Well, Paul doesn't stop and say, okay, Christ is the, the, the example, and he is the example. But he goes on and gives two other examples. And he said, okay, if Christ isn't enough for you, if Christ isn't enough for you to recognize, okay, this is what I want to be like, I'm, I'm going to give you two other people who you know and have worked with and served alongside of. And these men are, have, have lived humble lives, and they're good, good examples to, to follow as well. And this example of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Two men who were in ministry together with Paul. And, and we know that Timothy served alongside of Paul for many years. And, and they were like co-workers. And, and Timothy was willing to, to kind of just do what it took. He cared deeply about others. And in, the, in this passage, I don't have time to read it, but it says that Timothy is the one who stood out as one who humbly served others. There was many others in the church, but Timothy stood out as, as one that was different. And the second example was Epaphroditus. And my, my challenge for you this week is to email Pastor Bryce and say, you should name your next son Epaphroditus, right? So I think it's a great name, and they have a, they have a new baby son coming in a few weeks, and, and I think if, if the whole church got behind it and said, hey, we want to call your son Epaphroditus, we'll call him short, short we'll shorten it, but we'll call Epaph for short, and, and, and we're going to just say, like, Epaphroditus, Taylor, it's great, number eight, here we go. Uh, so, no, Epaphroditus, great example 
a man of, of God who served a church, who, who came uh, to, from Philippi to serve Paul. Paul was in prison, and, and we know from what it says in this passage that he got sick to the point of almost dying. But he was willing to, be, to humble his, himself and kind of serve, and he was willing to, to, to go to a point where he was getting sick and almost dying in order to serve Paul, in order to serve others. Are we willing to risk our own lives in order to serve others? As I was thinking about uh, this call to humility and servanthood, I'm going to close with an, with an illustration, an idea. And the, my first question is, what is the most important job at a swimming pool? Who could tell me? Most important job at a swimming pool? Lifeguard, yes. I think I heard a few people say it. The lifeguard. All right. The lifeguard, I believe, is the most important job at the swimming pool. Because you know, like, they sit up on the, the high seat, right? They're looking down across the pool. They have the whistle. They get to blow that. It's pretty cool. They have the large red thing to, to, that floats in case someone's going under. The, the lifeguard is the one who's willing to jump into the water and, if they get called out for help. The lifeguard is the one who you know, has the, the power and the whistle and can, can say, hey, stop running or stop you know, dunking or stop playing whatever dangerous game the kids are playing. It's a glamorous job, isn't it? It's the one that the little kids look up to and be like, wow, that's pretty cool, the lifeguard. Uh, it's the one that the teen boys and girls look to and like, have a crush on because they have the great suntan. And they're like, hey, I want to be a lifeguard someday because you get to sit, sit in the sun all the time. However, I also think about the lifeguard as being the one who cleans up the vomit on the pool deck after the kid eats too much pizza and throws up. The lifeguard is the one who takes out the trash at the end of the day, all the, the junk that the kids kind of missed and threw on the ground. The lifeguard is the one who probably is cleaning the toilets at the end of the day because they need to have a clean bathroom for the next day. They're sanitizing, they're doing all this, the, the hard work behind the scenes. Lifeguards are on call. They're the first ones to jump in and, and, and give help when someone's in need. So lifeguard, yes, it's a glorious, it's a glamorous position, but yet they oftentimes have to humble themselves to positions that maybe aren't as glamorous in order to, to make sure the pool is ready for the next day. So as you think about the lifeguard, you may ask yourself this question this week. How can you be more like a lifeguard? How can you be more like a, that, that, that lifeguard who's willing to lay down their glamorous position at times in order to do the dirty work, in order to serve others that come out and, and, and swim and, and, do, and are at the pool? What opportunities do you have this week that you can roll up your sleeves and serve your neighbor, serve your no, coworker, serve your teammate? In what ways can you humbly put, put aside your own interests this week in order to serve someone else who maybe is in need or just needs a hand? How can we put our, put our own wills aside and say, not my will, but yours, Lord? I'm going to live out the gospel. I'm going to, be, I'm going to live out the call to be Christ-like and humbly put aside my own interests and put on a lifestyle of servanthood and be what God has called me to do. Be, ex, follow the example of Christ. Go this week and serve and be the shining light in a dark world and be more like Christ.